Throughout the Bible and down the corridors of time, we find people who were known to be blessed of God. How did they ever get to such a place of being so blessed? What was their secret? It's not what you would expect, and you'll find out why next on Daily in Christ. Welcome once again to the Daily in Christ podcast. I'm Mark Van Oos, and we are in the midst of a series called Blessed Beyond Imagination. You know, the terms for blessing abound throughout the Bible. In the Old Testament alone, there are over 600 mentions in the Old Testament. Clearly, we can see that our God is indeed a blessing God. Interestingly, the major terms for blessing are related to the word that means to kneel. Since in earlier times, one would actually kneel to receive a blessing. In Hebrews chapter 7, verse 7, uh, speaking of Melchizedek, the priest blessing Abraham, it says, Now beyond all contradiction, the lesser is blessed by the better. And we can see that when someone is receiving something from someone great like a king, the right thing to do is to bow, is to kneel. And it's interesting that at the core idea of blessing is this idea of kneeling. Well, today we're going to be looking at, throughout the Bible, we see people who are blessed of God. People like Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph, Moses, Ruth, King David, Solomon, Daniel, Esther, and the person who is most blessed of all. (laughs) Well, more on that one later. Today, we want to look at this. Why were these people blessed of God? Second, the evidence of prosperity can be seen upon the blessed person. Third, if we have enough time, the person, the fact that a person blessed of God cannot be cursed. Well, before we move into this time of study, as we get into the Word of God, let's go to the God of the Word right now to give us understanding and illumination that we may know Him better. Let's pray. Father God, we praise you and we give you thanks. Thank you, Lord, that you are a blessing God. And there is a side, I know in me, Lord, that wants to say, oh, we really shouldn't pay so much attention to the blessings of God. But Lord, they reflect your heart of who you are. Those blessings flow from the heart of a blessing God. And so, Lord, this is who you are. It's what you do in love, not because we deserve it, but because you are that good. And so, Father, today... I pray for myself and for my listening friend that you would guide us, Lord, in the wonderful truth of your blessing heart. Lord, that we would see these lives that have been known to be blessed of God. May we understand the reason why they were blessed. And Father, I pray that our own life experience would be transformed by the power of your word through the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, first of all, why were these people blessed of God that we can see in the Bible? People like Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and so forth. You know, we tend to think that a person is blessed of God because they're good enough, right? Or they're righteous enough, or they're holy enough, or they're Christ-like enough. Wrong. (laughs) If that were true, then the person receiving the blessing would deserve the glory and not God. And we know that that's all wrong. As we dig deeper into the word and we look at why God blesses, it's not because these people are so good or so holy or so worthy. Consider the case of King David. He committed adultery. 
Then he plotted the murder of the woman's virtuous, courageous husband so that he could take the woman that he committed adultery with as his wife. David committed adultery. He committed murder. And yet he was blessed of God. Now, I want to say right up front that God is no party to blessing sin and sinning. Sinning is wrong. Sinning is evil. It's wicked. And it does much harm. And the story of David's life does show that. We see in Hebrews chapter 11, you know, Christians refer to Hebrews chapter 11 as the faith hall of fame. But would you observe, please, how many failures are in that so-called faith hall of fame in Hebrews chapter 11? How about Noah? He got drunk and passed out naked. Genesis 9, 21. Abraham, oh my goodness, many and repeated failures. Jacob was a deceiver and a usurper. Sarah, wife of Abraham, convinced Abraham to have the child of promise by her handmaiden, Hagar. Hagar. Moses had unrighteous anger and it cost him dearly. He was not permitted to enter the promised land. How about Israel's faith? You know, it brought down the walls of Jericho. And yet, how many times was Israel faithless, failing, and rebellious? Would you believe a prostitute is numbered among those people in Hebrews chapter 11? Rahab, the prostitute. How about Gideon? He fell under Delilah's seduction, which led to his imprisonment by the enemy. Or Samuel, the judge of Israel, he appointed his two corrupt sons to succeed him in governing Israel. Family members were not appointed as judges before. And before you know it, things go so badly that the people want a change in government, rejecting the Lord and demanding a king. That's in 1 Samuel chapter 8. Obviously, we can see that these people were not blessed because of their righteousness or goodness. Jesus, in Mark chapter 10, verse 18, said this, No one is good but one, and that is God. Mark 10, 18, did you hear that? No one is good but one, and that is God. In Romans chapter 3, verses 10 through 20, I won't go through these verses, but it says that there is none righteous. There's none who seeks after God, none who does good. No, not one. Romans 3, 10 to 20. So the people who are blessed of God are not blessed because they are good enough. So then why in the world are they blessed of God? Because God is is that good, that holy, and that righteous. And this speaks well of God. And we cannot boast. God is the source of all that is good, righteous, and holy. And he gets the glory at the end of the day. Remember in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3, it says this, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. Now, that word blessed that's there in Ephesians 1.3 is the Greek word eulageo, which means to speak well of. So the person blessed of God, eulageo, blesses God, speaks well of God. Because God, eulageo, speaks well of them, blesses them. And the reason God speaks well of them is because God is good, not because that person blessed of God is good. And these people who are blessed of God had faith in God, who is good, and they trusted in his righteousness and goodness alone and not their righteousness and goodness They simply believed in this blessing God. They knew that they were blessed, not because they were good, but because God is good. Man, that's so important. I need to say it again. These people who were 
so richly blessed of God simply believed in this blessing God. They knew that they were blessed, not because they were so good, but because God is that good. And then a few verses later in Ephesians 1, verse 6, it says this, that all of this is to the praise of the glory of his grace by which he has made us highly favored in the beloved. That's the literal Greek there in Ephesians 1, 6. And then in the next verse, verse 7, it says this, that in Christ we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. So we are brought into the riches of God's blessing and his redemption in direct proportion to the riches of his grace. So what is the grace of God that brings us into such incredible, beyond imagination blessing well, I have a definition for you of the grace of God, and this has been formulated after many years of study and has been refined through the years. And grace is this. Grace is from the Father's heart of love in totally blessing us, totally accepting us, and totally loving us, not because we are so good and earned it, but because God is that good and gives it. Let me say that again. Grace is from the Father's heart of love in totally blessing us, totally accepting us, and totally loving us, not because we are so good and earned it, but because he is that good and gives it. At the core of the idea of grace is this concept of unmerited favor, what do we mean by unmerited favor? First of all, the word unmerited. Well, the definition of merit that I found on Google means the quality of being particularly good or worthy, especially so as to deserve praise or reward. Unmerited is the opposite of merit. So we just gave you the definition of merit. Unmerit means you haven't earned it. You know, you're, you're, you're getting something not because you are so particularly good or worthy or deserving of praise or reward. The grace of God is unmerited favor. And, and, and it's favor that's given from God not because you or I are good enough or worthy enough to get it. That's what it means to be unmerited. In fact, the Bible actually tells us that we have a lot of demerits against being eligible for the blessings of God. And what we truly deserve from God because of our fallenness, because of our sin and our rebellion in committing idolatry and exchanging the glory of God for the glory of an image made like unto the creature, and that's in Romans chapter 1, what we truly deserve from God is condemnation, judgment, wrath, and hell. All we have is demerits, sin. <laughs> Aren't you glad that God's grace is unmerited favor? I sure am. Well, what does it mean by unmerited favor? What is favor referring to? Well, the favor of God is the blessing of God. It is the total acceptance of God. So God in his grace blesses us, not because we are good enough, but because Jesus is infinitely good and righteous enough. It's because Jesus pleases the Father. And those who have faith in Christ Jesus, the pleasing one, receive the rich blessings of the grace of God, unmerited by you and me, but merited by Jesus Christ. You see, my friend, the people who live in the grace of God are blessed beyond imagination. And really, most importantly, the grace of God is actually a person, the Lord Jesus Christ. In John 1.17, it says this, For the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. Do you see the difference? On the one hand, the law given 
by a person, Moses. On the other hand, grace and truth comes in the form of the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's in John 1.17. So to the question, why are these people that are so blessed of God, why are they blessed of God? Well, it's not because they were so good or so holy or so worthy. The Bible says that none are righteous. It's because God is that good, that holy, and that righteous. And this speaks well of God. God is the one who gets the glory. He is the source of all that is good and holy. Well, as we consider those who are blessed of God, another thing that we see in the life of a person blessed of God is that there is an evidence of prosperity upon their life. And what I mean, what I believe the Bible means when it talks about prosperity is that they fully succeed in what the Lord wills for their life. Let me say that again. They fully succeed in what the Lord wills for their life. Here's a really good prosperity verse. 2 Corinthians 9.8 says this, And God is able to make all grace abound toward you, that you, always having all sufficiency in all things, may have an abundance in every good work. That's 2 Corinthians 9.8. Man, that verse is loaded. First, God is able to make all grace abound to you, abound toward me, so that, you or me, will always, so there's no time when this isn't true, always having all sufficiency. That means all the needs met, having all the requirements that are necessary, having all sufficiency in all things may have an abundance for every good work. Second Corinthians 9, 8. These people who are blessed of God experience a clear evidence of prosperity upon their life. But that doesn't mean that nothing goes wrong or that bad things don't happen to them. For instance, Joseph, the son of uh, Jacob over there in the book of Genesis, was sold into slavery by his brothers. He was falsely accused and imprisoned. He was forgotten in prison, and yet the blessing of God was on his life was evident, no matter the outward circumstances. In Potiphar's household, he was a leading servant, and Potiphar observed that the Lord was with him because he was blessed in all he did. And God promoted him up to the level of prime minister of Egypt. And during a time of famine, God led and blessed his servant Joseph so that not just that pagan nation of Egypt would be spared from the ravages of a famine, but also his own family. How about David? He went through some very difficult things as well. King David, he was disregarded by his father when the prophet stopped by to anoint Israel's new king. He was despised by his brothers. He was even treated like a criminal by the king of Israel, even though David was anointed as king of Israel by God. So when we speak about the prosperity of God, we're not saying that everything is always going to go your way. You're going to drive down the road and every stoplight will be green. (laughs) That just simply doesn't happen. In fact, there can even be some very tough situations that may happen over In Romans chapter 8, verse 35, it says this, Tribulation, distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, peril, or sword. Over in uh, Romans 8, 36, next verse, it says, uh, Considered as sheep for the slaughter, and yet, wow, look at this, Romans 8, 37, Yet in all these things, those terrible, awful things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. That is amazing. Let me say that again, Romans 8, 37. Yet in all these things, even those difficult things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. We're more than winners. You know, you can win with just one point in a game, right? 
We're more than champions. We're even more than conquerors. Why? Because it says, through him who loved us. So that person who is blessed of God, it's very clear that they um, have a prosperity and abundance that comes from the hand of this blessing God. Now, here's something powerful and interesting. Did you know that a person blessed of God cannot be cursed? Why? Because the blessing of God is infinitely greater than any curse. Abraham was under a covenant of blessing. It's known as the Abrahamic covenant. It's the blessing of Abraham. And that covenant that God made with Abraham and to his seed was not based on Abraham's righteousness. In fact, when God first came to Abraham, he was a pagan living in a pagan land. No, the covenant that God made with his servant Abraham is based upon the righteousness of God. And it is as secure as the righteousness of God. And we believers, those in Christ, are under the covenant of blessing, even greater than the covenant God made with Abraham. We are under the new covenant. And we'll get into more information on the new covenant later on. But suffice it to say right here, the new covenant bestows the richest blessing of God based upon Jesus' righteousness and not our own righteousness. It is as secure as the righteousness of Jesus Christ. So the only reason why the covenant would fail would be if God failed to be righteous. And you know that's impossible. So we are in an unfailing ironclad covenant that is based upon the integrity and the righteousness of God. Jesus was cursed that we would receive, those of us in Christ, the blessing of Abraham. Turn to Galatians chapter 3, and uh, we'll begin reading in verse 13. Galatians chapter 3, beginning in verse 13. This is powerful stuff. You know, the Gentile has no right to the blessing of Abraham. God um, promised that Abraham and his seed would be blessed. So technically, that would be the Jews. However, listen to this, Galatians 3, verses 13 to 14. It says, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. Now, why was that the case? Why was Jesus, why did, why did he become a curse? Well, it says there in verse 13, he redeemed us from the curse of the law. Verse 14, that the blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles in Christ Jesus, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. You know, the promise was made to Abraham and to his seed, and Galatians clarifies that that is singular seed and not plural seeds. And ultimately, the descendant, the one to inherit the blessings was none other than uh, the descendant of Abraham, the Lord Jesus Christ. So the blessing comes to him and to all those who are in Christ. You can read that for yourself in Galatians chapter 3, verses 13 to 14. Let me add something really critical right here. We see that we have been brought into blessing because Jesus was made a curse. We deserve the curse. We deserve the judgment, the wrath, the condemnation, because we have committed high treason, treason against God. And the case against us for that high treason is found in the book of Romans, beginning in chapter 1, verse 18, and going all the way through to Romans 3, chapter 3, verse 20. But the Bible says in Romans chapter 1 that the 
wrath of God is revealed against the unrighteousness and ungodliness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. And then it goes on to say why this is going on. Verse 19, because what may be known of God is manifest or obvious to them, in them, for God has shown it to them. So God has manifested himself to all of creation, even the atheist. How did he do that? Verse 20, Romans 1.20, for since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen. Now, how in the world is God's invisible attributes clearly seen? It goes on to say in verse 20, being understood by the things that are made That's the creation, the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. And watch this in verse 21, because although they knew God, they did not glorify him as God, nor were thankful, but became futile in their thoughts and their foolish hearts were darkened. Professing to be wise, they became fools, listen to this, verse 23, and changed or exchanged the glory of the incorruptible God into an image made like corruptible man and birds and four-footed animals and creeping things. That is the prime case against us. The whole human race has done that, has failed to give God the glory. And instead, we have given glory to something else that isn't even something. It's an image of something else. When we refer to an image... Um, You know, if you're watching a movie about, say, Superman, you look at the screen, that's an image, and you see this man who has this incredible ability to jump over tall skyscrapers. Why Superman is even able to fly up in the sky and grab a hold of a plane that's crashing toward the earth and rescue it. He's able to stop speeding bullets and stop a train. That's Superman. But that's just an image on the screen. In reality, that guy who's portraying Superman, he's lucky if he can jump three or four feet up in the air, let alone jump over a skyscraper. He certainly can't fly up in the air to do anything. It's all fake. It's an image. And that's what we have done. We have exchanged an image, a powerless image of the creature rather than giving glory to God who is almighty, all-powerful, all-present, all-knowing. And he alone deserves the praise. And we have committed high treason against him. That is the damning sin of unbelief. It is the sin that leads all to hell. The Bible says there is none righteous. No, not one. And so, We deserve the curse. But Galatians 3, and this is so powerful, Jesus became a curse for us, for me, for you. And he redeemed us from the curse of the law, the rightful curse of the law that was deserving infidels, deserving of those who commit high treason against such a great and good God. He became a curse for us. Friends, that's what's called the substitutionary atonement. Jesus, to bring us to God, into relationship with God the Father legitimately, and to bring us into a place of being blessed. He became the curse that we would receive the blessing. That's in the word of God. And that's powerful stuff. I need to move on. You know, the blessing of God is irreversible. Romans 11 verse 29 says this, For the the gifts and the calling of God are irrevocable. You can't take it back. God will not call it back. Romans 11 29. And then in Numbers 23, 19, it says this, God is not a man that he should lie, nor a son of man that he should boast. 
I'm sorry, that he should repent. Has he said and will he not do? Or has he spoken and will he not make it good? Numbers 23, 19. The reason why the blessing of God is irreversible and irrevocable is because it was never based on man in the first place. It is based on God and his infinite goodness and infinite righteousness. It is as secure as God's infinite integrity. So the people who are blessed of God cannot be cursed. And the reason why they cannot be cursed is not because they're so good and righteous. It's because God is that good and that righteous. And a striking example of this is found in the book of Numbers. And go ahead and flip over to Numbers. Uh, There are two chapters, 22 and 23. We're not going to read through these chapters. I encourage you to do it on your own and it will touch your life. But basically, Israel is finally into the promised land. This is at the time of uh, Joshua. And the Moabites were in the land that was to be taken, the land of promise for Israel. And the Moabites were fearful of the advance of Israel into the promised land. And so the Moabite king, his name was Balak, hired Balaam, B-A-L-A-A-M, Balaam, a prophet, to be his sort of prophet hitman and curse Israel. So you got this pagan king, this pagan Moabite king called Balak. He sees these people blessed of God, and he hires a prophet named Balaam to curse Israel. And so three times, the Moabite king Balak sent Balaam to curse Israel. And you know what happened? All three times, Balaam could not curse Israel. Instead, he blessed Israel because God said to him, you shall not go with them, speaking of uh, the Moabites, You shall not curse the people for, listen to this, they are blessed. Numbers 22, verse 12. So imagine King Balak, the Moabite king, hires this prophet hitman, if you will, to um, curse Israel. And instead of cursing Israel, he blesses them. Much to Balak's shock and chagrin. Every time that Balak sent Balaam out to Israel, he, um, he would up the ante. You know, okay, it didn't work the first time. Let's crank it up. And in um, Numbers twenty three eleven, then Balak said to Balaam, what have you done to me? I took you to curse my enemies. And look, you have blessed them bountifully. And so Balak turns around and sends more Moabite princes with Balaam to pressure Balaam into cursing Israel. Balak must have been thinking, well, I'm sure Balaam would be impressed with all these princes. And Balaam says this in response to to this second attempt. He says, though Balak were to give me his house full of silver and gold, I could not go beyond the word of the Lord my God to do less or more. That's in Numbers 22, verse 18. And then he says this. This is in Numbers 23, verse 8. How shall I curse whom God has not cursed? And how shall I denounce whom the Lord has not denounced? Then the prophet Balaam has this second oracle. This is in uh, Numbers 23, verses 18 to 21. If you're there, read it along with me. He says this. Rise up, Balak, that's the Moabite king, and here, listen to me, son of Zippor. God is not a man that he should lie, nor a son of man that he should repent. Has he said, and will he not do? Or has he spoken, and will he not make it good? See right there up front, Balaam is referencing the perfect integrity of God. God's not going to change his mind. He's blessed Israel. Continuing on here, Numbers 23, verse 20. Behold, I have received a command, says Balaam, to bless. He has blessed and I cannot reverse it. 
He has not observed iniquity in Jacob, nor has he seen wickedness in Israel. The Lord, his God, is with him, and the shout of the king is among them. Now, this is pretty incredible words because, you know, Balaam was talking about Israel and it says that God has not observed the iniquity or seen the wickedness in Israel. Well, they were full of iniquity and wickedness. That just shows the incredible grace of God. And then in Numbers 24, verses beginning in verse 3, it says this, uh, The utterance of Balaam, the son of Beor, this is another oracle, the utterance of the man whose eyes are opened, the utterance of him who hears the words of God. Now, just stop. Think about this. This guy, Balaam, was a, was a weasel. He was, oh, he was a turncoat. He was not somebody who was going the way of the Lord. I mean, he was willing to be bought by an ungodly king, a Moabite king, to curse the, the people of God. There was nothing good about Balaam at all. And yet, he is a man whose eyes are opened. <laughs> when God opens your eyes, wow, it is amazing. The utterance, verse 4, of him who hears the words of God, who sees the vision of the Almighty, who falls down with eyes wide open. And listen to this. This is one of the most beautiful things that, that God reveals his heart of love to his people, though they may be undeserving, his heart of love that blesses. Listen to this. Now the prophet is speaking from the heart of God to the nation of Israel. How lovely are your tents, O Jacob, your dwellings, O Israel. Like valleys, they stretch out like gardens by the riverside, like aloes planted by the Lord, like cedars beside the waters. He shall pour water from his buckets, and seed shall be in many waters. His king shall be higher than a gag, and his kingdom shall be exalted. God brings him, and this is speaking of Israel, out of Egypt. He has strength like a wild ox. He shall consume the nations, his enemies. He shall break their bones and pierce them with his arrows. He bows down. He lies down as a lion and as a lion who shall rouse him. Blessed is he who blesses you and cursed is he who curses you. Mm. Isn't that powerful? This nation, the nation of Israel, the descendants of Abraham were blessed not because they were so good. They were blessed because of the goodness of God. And so here is the um here is the final oracle of of Balaam. And uh, it says this, this is in um, Numbers 24, I believe, beginning in verse 15. The utterance of Balaam, the son of Beor, and the utterance of the man whose eyes are opened, the utterance of him who hears the words of God and has the knowledge of the Most High, who sees the vision of the Almighty, who falls down with eyes wide open. I see him, but not now. I behold him, but not near. I want to just stop right here because this is so amazing and so incredible. Here's this disgusting prophet whose eyes are open. God is revealing. God is speaking. He is speaking blessing to his people, but he goes off into the future and he sees Israel's Messiah and Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Oh, this is so powerful. I see him, but not now. I behold him, this is speaking of Jesus, but not near. A star shall come out of Jacob. A scepter shall rise out of Israel and batter the brow of Moab and destroy all the sons of Tumult. And Edom shall be a possession. Seir also, his enemies, shall be a possession. While Israel does valiantly, out of Jacob one shall have dominion and destroy the remains of the city. Isn't that amazing? What does this do? This doesn't speak well of Israel. This speaks well of God, 
who is so incredible in his blessing. And you know, while Israel couldn't be cursed, Balaam, who was so incredibly wicked, did teach Balak, the Moabite Moabite king, how to cause Israel to stumble. In Revelation 2.14, we read this. It speaks of the doctrine of Balaam, who taught Balak to put a stumbling block before the children of Israel to eat things, sacrifice to idols, and to commit sexual immorality. Balaam taught Balak. He goes, okay, you know what? I can't curse them, but let me teach you how to make them stumble. It's sobering, isn't it? So, Israel was blessed even though there was sin and iniquity. This doesn't approve of sin or iniquity, but it speaks about the greatness of God. And yet, would you believe it? Israel was under an inferior covenant compared to the new covenant that we are in today in Christ. The covenant of law, which is the covenant that was operating at the time of um, that this account took place with uh, Balaam and Balak, Israel was under the covenant of law. Um, a covenant that says that sinning leads to getting the curse. Balaam knew this, and so he told Balak how to get Israel cursed, to get them to sin. Now that is in contrast, in sharp contrast to the new covenant of grace that is built upon the righteousness of Jesus Christ. God totally loving us, totally accepting us, and totally blessing us, not because we are so good and earned it, but because he is that good and gives it. And you know, the result of this is powerful. The believer, the person who is in Christ, partaker of this incredible new covenant of grace, there is no curses at all that are upon you. Not even ancestral or generational curses remain. Now, it's true that people were under the law, under ancestral and other curses. That was before Jesus finished work at the cross. I was sharing this one time with a Christian lady who got very upset at me. She was very much into this thing of, you know, doing this ministry that got people out of ancestral curses. They would research a person's life and identify the ancestral curses and break those curses. And I said, that is not necessary. The believer is not under any curses whatsoever. She got so mad at me. She almost hauled off and hit me. You know, she was so upset that I would say that no Christian is under any curse, including ancestral curses. And really what it came down to, even though I was showing her lots of scripture, she refused to take into consideration what the Bible, particularly the New Covenant, has to say about the matter. Now, I want to say this. This does not mean that curse thinking of previous generations does not affect Christians. Sad to say, if we do not renew our minds according to the word of God, we open ourselves up to the deception of Satan that gets us to believe we are cursed even though we are not cursed, but blessed. And this cursed thinking gets us to act like cursed people, not blessed people. And this is a big problem for most Christians. It's one of the big reasons why they live defeated lives. That's why their lives are having little impact upon the world. They believe that they're cursed. Well, we've always lost our temper in our family and oh well, I'm stuck with that family curse. No, you're not. But if you believe that, you're going to lose your cool. If you believe you're blessed of God, it makes a great big difference. Listen to this in Isaiah 54, verse 17. It says this, No weapon formed against you, including a curse, shall prosper. And every tongue which rises against you in judgment, you shall condemn. 
This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord, and their righteousness is from me, says the Lord. That's in Isaiah 54, verse 17. Friends, that's a whole chapter. That's a new covenant chapter. And what does that chapter, Isaiah 54, follow? It's right after Isaiah 53, which is the prophecy that speaks about the suffering that Jesus took, the punishment that he took, that we would be blessed. I remember many years ago, I received a letter in the mail and there was no return address. I thought, well, who is this from? And I opened it up and I read through it and it was a letter that demanded that I send out 10 copies of the same letter. And if I do that, I will receive a special blessing from God. And if I didn't do that, I would be cursed. And you know what I did? I burned that letter declaring out loud, I am blessed of God and not cursed. And we see this today in the form of emails or Facebook posts. Uh, By the way, the person who sent me that letter or would send you that in an email or Facebook post obviously operates under the mistaken notion that they would be cursed unless they mailed that letter or emailed that thing or Facebooked that post to 10 people. You know what we call that? Spiritual blackmail. Friend, you, believer, are not cursed. Now, this podcast reaches into many nations around the world, and it reaches into places more than the American culture that is a culture that is steeped in cursing, perhaps in Africa or maybe in Haiti, where in your culture there is this whole thing about not getting the ancestral spirits upset at you, otherwise you would be cursed. Friends, that is of the devil. And I can say that without equivocation and no fear at all, because greater is he that is in you, believer, than he that is in the world. Listen to me, dear brother and sister in Christ. If you believe you are under a curse for whatever reason, you are not under a curse. Why? Because the Lord Jesus Christ, Galatians 3, was cursed in your place. And if you believe you're under a curse, do you know what you're really saying? You're saying, well, I guess Jesus didn't do enough. That is wrong, my dear friend. Jesus did it all. He took the curse. He became a curse. It says over in, um, well, in Galatians 3, that he became a curse, that you would be blessed with the blessing of Abraham. Listen to this in 2 Corinthians 5.21. For he made him, Jesus, who knew no sin, to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21. Dear believer, born again of the Lord Jesus Christ through the grace of God and the righteousness of Christ, listen to what I am telling you. You are not cursed. You are blessed. You are under the infinitely superior covenant of blessing, which is the new covenant of grace. So whatever you've been told to the contrary, that somehow would give to you the notion that you there is some sort of a curse that remains on you, that is of the devil. It's not true. Satan is a liar. He's trying to get you into curse thinking to get you to believe that you're cursed when you're not cursed. You are blessed. And dear friend, you're blessed because God is that good. God is that righteous. God is that holy. And you're blessed in spite of your unholy actions, unholy attitudes, ungodliness that you've exhibited or unrighteousness. You're blessed because of the infinite righteousness of the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, next time, we're going to be looking at prime examples of people blessed of God, people like uh, Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and Joseph and Moses and so many others. And it's going to be uh, very enlightening. So don't miss the next edition of the Daily in Christ podcast. Let's wrap it up. 
let's bring this thing in for a landing for today. I hope it's been a great blessing to your soul. I know it's been such a great enrichment for me. Let's let's pray right now. Father, thank you, thank you, thank you that you are this good. You are that much of a blessing, God. And Father, I recognize even in my own thinking this tendency to believe that somehow I'm... I messed it up and therefore I deserve to be cursed. I deserve to be judged. No, I thank you, Lord, that Jesus took it all as my substitute in a substitutionary atonement. Thank you, Lord, that he took my worst, that I and every person in Christ would receive your best. (laughs) And Lord, as I say that, Let all the praise and the glory go to you. Let all the honor and all the praise go only to your name because you're so deserving. You are so good. You are so righteous. Father, I pray that you will take these things that we have shared from your word today and for me and for Every person that hears this podcast, I pray that you would grant unto us the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the full, complete, higher, greater, better knowledge of you, the eyes of our understanding being enlightened, that we may know the hope of your calling, what are the riches of the glory of your inheritance in the saints, and what is the exceeding greatness of your ability, your power toward us who believe, like the working of your mighty strength, which you worked in Christ when you raised him from the dead, you exalted him and ascended him to the highest place at your right hand, far above all principality and power and might and dominion, and every name that is named not only in this age, but also in that which is to come. Thank you, Lord, for doing that. Thank you for your blessing. In Jesus' name, amen. Good friend, I am so glad to count you as my friend. I am so glad to count you as my brother and sister in Christ. Good news can't be kept to ourselves. So if this, today's message, has been a blessing to you, take some time, let other people know that uh, these Christians, let them know they're under blessing, the blessing of God. Even somebody who doesn't know Christ, let them know that as they trust the Lord Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, that God will make them the righteousness of God in Christ because of all that Jesus Christ did. Let them know about this message. You never know how God will transform their lives. And dear friend, thank you for sharing the word about the Daily in Christ podcast. As always, we have more information about the podcast as well as some helpful articles at our website, dailyinchrist.org. Now this is your Bible teacher, Mark Van Nuys, reminding you once again the incredible words from Psalm 34, verse 8, Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who trusts in Him. Amen.